people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Welcome to another special episode of this podcast series. I'm going to open this episode in a slightly unusual way and I ask you to bear with me because it will become apparent why. I'm a child of Aotearoa, New Zealand, land of the long white cloud, born between the mountains and the sea. Home first to Māori and then Pākehā, from both I descend. And many years ago, my feet crossed a sea named after the explorer Abel Tasman to this continent given the name of Australia. It's a special place, home to many mobs and peoples who are the world's oldest continuous living culture. And today, my feet rest in country whose traditional custodians are the Turbal people. I acknowledge these First Nations people and pay my respects to their elders and leaders, as well as those in the country in which your feet rest, past, present and emerging, because they are the keepers of cultural knowledge and traditions for people who never ceded their sovereignty. You can share in such cultural knowledge by learning some of the first languages, particularly for the people in your area if you live in Australia. And I encourage you to check out the 50 Words Project online at 50words.online. Right now, we're sharing a digital place known as the internet, which has been shaped and maintained by creative and smart people from cultures all across this planet we call home. And it's to this conversation space that I say welcome to Reese, who I wanted to honour with the special acknowledgement of country because he and his collaborator Emma were instrumental in inspiring me and educating me to be able to do so. So good to have you here, Reese. Oh, thank you, Helen. I love that. That was really that was really amazing. I've got so many thoughts. <laughs> but again, I'll let you lead the conversation anyway because. Uh, yeah, but I, I, my initial reaction, very lovely, uh, and thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And so what I will call out is that one of the reasons, no, one of the contexts in which you and I first met was the Acknowledge This training that you and your collaborator, Emma, provided. And what was key in that training, and as we were talking a little bit before we got on the recording, in that conversation was yeah. how to do a genuine, authentic acknowledgement of country as a particular protocol that comes from First Nations culture here in Australia. So yeah. I wanted to, because you wouldn't have had a chance to hear mine before, and it's uh -huh. a completely evolving thing in terms of what I do and how I do it. So I thought, what a wonderful moment for you to see the effect that you had had on somebody else. And so with that, let's start sharing and yarning our stories. Over to you. Oh, let's go. I oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it, Helen. Um, I've always worked in Aboriginal education, right? Yes. So uh, it's been 14, 15 years so far for me. And I suppose acknowledging space, acknowledging country, for me, it's always been the same as like most Australians, really, where it's it's just sort of this, this script, you know what I mean? It's sort of this thing that you do. It's a yes. procedural grouping of words that you do as a sign of respect before the beginning of an opening or a forum, you know, and I think yes. like that's okay. That's I mean, but I, I just like the idea where we can use the acknowledgement not just as an opportunity to connect to the concepts that lie behind the words, which mm. is what I teach, but more more so like how to 
it's almost like using it as an opportunity to consider like what do the traditional peoples and plays mean to you as the individual saying mm. words, which goes a lot more deeper than just the words itself on a script. You know what I mean? Oh, indeed, indeed. And it resonated with me because as is in that acknowledgement of country, I actually am a descendant of New Zealand Māori. Yeah. And so there were some things in my experience of having a lived reality of Māori-ness in New Zealand and coming yeah. to Australia and kind of connecting it there. Yeah, yeah. I always like the idea we can sort of like find common connections between the traditional and the modern, mm. wherever. We, you know what I mean? And like, I like that it's something as simple as an acknowledgement. That's that's a moment where you can share that connection between the modern and the traditional. Like, for example, you shared a little bit just then when you were saying that New Zealand, but it's Aotearoa, which is mm. translated to the land of the long white cloud. You know, yes. and little things like that's important because then people that are that only knew it as, let's say, the modern New Zealand, they might learn mm. something new. Okay, uh, they're and then you're learning a little bit more. You're saying like the Pakias, the white fellas there, you know, yes. and then you sort of to where you are. So it can be like a moment or an opportunity yes. week to position the modern traditional, which I like. It's also been a way for me to connect both on a personal level as well as an emerging professional level of I am made up of many things. I bring many worldviews, many experiences to who I show up as a person in the work that I do, who I connect with with other people, the things I pay attention to in the world. So I'm interested, what are you connecting with? What are you paying attention to in the world? What's shaping your experience of work? Right now, I've got, got, I think I was telling you before, we just had Reconciliation Week last Mm. week, right? So this big concept of reconciliation has been lingering on my mind. How to explain it, how to talk about it, and how to consider it as more than just a word, right? Because yes. like acknowledgments of country, reconciliation, diversity, inclusion, a lot of these times these terminologies can become quite like politicized mm. and like and like people think they know what that is or they have an idea or direction as to what that is. And a lot of the times those definitions can be different between people, businesses, organizations, and even governments, you know what I mean? Mm. So I think where my work is, well, where I'm, I'm sort of a lot of my considerations and my thinking are at the moment is how to bring reconciliation to the forefront of the conversation that we have as Australians, not as like this arbitrary, like it's a week where we do things for and with Aboriginal people, but more like here's a concept that you as an individual can consider and commit to if you want to, as opposed to like feeling like you have to, you know yes. what I mean? So reconciliation that's a big one that I'm I'm considering at the moment for me when I think about work and how I work there is the skills that I learn that get applied there's different models and things that I might learn depending on the field of work that I'm in but for me there's also a kind of that meta level about what is it about who I am and how I show up and how I see the other people that I'm working with and for me that notion of reconciliation can happen on many levels in terms of it speaks to how I choose to see other people. It speaks to recognizing what privilege I might be holding. It it speaks to the kinds of people I choose to follow, the kinds of books I choose to read, what views are being shared with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to think of it like what is the definition of the word, right? So mm. this is what I this is what I'm interested. I love about. a good dictionary definition. Uh, yeah, yeah. I go, I do this thing where I go, find a concept, pick a concept, right? Yeah. All right, let's go to reconciliation. I go, all right, stop. I'm going to pretend that I never heard that word before. Because it always comes with a baggage of like what you expect it to be, yes. the LinkedIn posts, the people that are tagged, 
what and i go okay let's okay stop let's what does that mean back to those uh, basics those basics what does that mean and so i open up the dictionary now you know there's two definitions of reconciliation the first definition is the restoration of friendly relationships okay the restoration of friendly relationships now in australia i reckon most aboriginal and non-aboriginal people are either consciously or unconsciously committing to this concept of reconciliation however uh, this is what i teach as well i'm telling people yes. i go understand this understand that this definition can potentially come up against friction can come up against the challenge and that challenge is some people will say and rightly so i suppose i'll say you know what aboriginal people and non-aboriginal people in australia never necessarily had a friendly relationship to begin with mm. you see so it should not be about reconciling a friendship that did not exist it should be about establishing something new meaning it shouldn't be a reconciliation week it should be a conciliation week but the thing is mm. is that this really evokes like an us versus them mentality a lot of the mm. time and then that comes into all the play of like yeah power and privilege and i always consider what the second definition yes of reconciliation is now this one's interesting right the second definition is the action of making one value or belief compatible with another value and belief for mutual benefit right mm, nice. now i like this because it evokes a sense of duty for an individual to consider action not just thinking not just like words mm. but like action of making a value and belief compatible with another now compatible is important as well mm. so now i think about it in the context of the traditional cultures the modern cultures and then right there in the middle there's an opportunity or a space where australians can consider their individual role in how mm. they can consider their action in bringing those two together to compatible with each other i love that notion that there's the mutual element in there one of the things i talk about on the self unlimited side is that an individual and in having a relationship with an organization there's a certain kind of power dynamic there that the organization sort of has more power and i'm encouraging people to think actually as an employee of an organization ah. you could find something of mutual benefit there, yeah. good for the organization and good for you Yes, yes. Okay, so like this, we we on the exact same page. This is top down change versus bottom up change, mm. right? So the top down change is like what you're saying. It's it's the already established culture that yes. you know it could it could either work or not work or it works. You know, it's it's the culture that exists that the the people at the top are either maintain or create the decisions for. It's the yes. CEO making the decision. It's the yes. manager, and that's fine. You know, like that's a top down thing. That's beautiful. You know, yep. but what I think we're talking about is the idea of the bottom up change where individuals can be in that business organization group yes. family whatever and understand that they have a sense of power that they yes. can actually change things that are not like you know straight away we're going to change the policies of the government it's just more like here's how i myself can yes. influence just a little bit in my surrounding with the power that i have that i may not know yes may not that I had, you know, and also from the landing, from the point of view of I'm allowed to have a view, I'm allowed to have interests, I'm allowed to have things that might go against others, and that's not a case that the organisation has to get yeah. on board with my view or everybody else I work with. Because I think sometimes that idea of the collectivism, and I see it both in what you were saying before um, about that sense of like, well, we're Aboriginal and white fellas in a particular kind of relationship. It kind of has this binary thing as if all white fellas are thinking yeah. the same yeah. and all Aboriginal people are thinking the yeah. same. It's like, no, there's a lot of diversity within that. So there may have been moments historically where some 
black fellas actually had a good relationship with some white fellas. It's never as black and white and binary as sometimes it's said. And so sitting with that kind of tension can be really challenging. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, 100%. And I I find that particularly when um, I'm talking to people around the self-unlimited idea about shaping your relationship in a workscape, part of it's about you open yourself up for Yes, you get to honor the voice that's inside you, the voice that wants to speak in terms of the work that you want to do and the people that you work with. But that may be in conflict with the organization context in which you're sitting. So I'm interested to hear what's the voice inside Reese? What's the voice that Reese wants to uh, express? And it may even be something that has just emerged over time. And sometimes I ask people, what did you want to be when you were younger? Who did you think you were going to grow up to be and what were you going to do in the world? I'll be honest. Like I used to work in high schools back in the day, you know, yes. and you know, I would not ask that question to young people. Okay. I get mm. it. I get it. It's like, it's a good, it's a good question to position. Yeah. Like what is your future yeah. goals or endeavors? But in my mind, I'm like, it's going to change. It's going to be different. And I'm, I'm someone who's quite fluid to who I am in my yeah. identity. And I, you know, in a sense, so it's like, I don't know. No, I'll be honest. I just don't have any long-term goals. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm actually okay. the belief that so much in the world is changing. It would be kind of foolish to even have a long-term goal if you were kind of thinking that is if you could control that. So, yeah. 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 Actually, you know what? There's a there's a book, Fox and the Kid and the Kid and the Fox or something. I can't remember, but it was a beautiful, like, one little liner. And I like this. And it, and it was just like this little kid talking to a fox or an owl. It was just like, what do you want to be? when you grow up and he just said happy I want to be happy like and I think that's the best yes because we think about it like labels like a position like a thing like a title and I'm going yeah that's important but I'm like who do you want to be what do you want to be inside happy Mm. and that might sound a bit cliche but I think that's very important I love that idea so let's go to the question then about when you were younger I'm going to rephrase it when you were younger and you looked to the future did you have any thoughts about what Reese would be doing or what things Reese would be involved in Uh, I can tell you my first answer to that was when I was oh, primary school, like yes. young, like year one or two or three. And you know what I wanted to be? I remember I remember saying this out loud. Uh, I wanted to be a scientist. Wow. A scientist. Gosh. But again, and I'm like, yeah, and I get to high school and I start learning science. I'm like, nah. <laughs> Do you have any idea why scientist was something you decided to why. say at that point? Uh, I know why, because I think I just liked the idea of like, being in a lab coat and knowing things ah. you know I, mean? I remember like okay and i also remember i was with my dad we used to do little science experiments oh cool specifically i remember we play around with acid and i was so curious about acid i don't know it was like a couple of months there where i was like oh acid is cool because it like dissolves different things different chemical content yep. in this and we would do things like we would we would buy like uh what do you, what's the one that you clean your toilets with <laughs> lcr oh, lcr um- Oh, I'm not quite sure. Look, I had one of those chemistry kits too. And I remember there were different crystals and different liquids that came in the kit, but there were also things you would grab from the kitchen where it might be bleach or ammonia or the Epsom salts or whatever and different things that you would mix together for different catalytic reactions. I remember putting like a Coke can in the LCR acid and we left it for a day and it dissolved all of the aluminium, but it did not dissolved and nobody knows it but there's a thin plastic layer that is inside there so it's cool things like 
little experiments where I'm like, wow, there's a science that reveals things, but also I like the idea of like being in a lab coat. But that was very young race, right? I was like, it's so far to who I am today. Um, though, I wonder, because one of the things, the reason why I ask people this question is because I don't take it from a literal point of view. I take it as a proxy that oh, yeah. at that point in time is holding together some ideas. And you've just expressed some wonderful ideas that I see in your current. You like to Ooh. be trying things out and exploring yeah. and discovering and experimenting. So I think what your little young mind could contain at that moment was some way to kind of give it a label or a container. And the reality, maybe. though, has emerged that way. I like that. Maybe. Ironically, now we're reconciling an idea, right? We're making, we a, valuable belief. We're making a valuable belief system, science, compatible with another culture, <laughs> five right, across right. the yeah. across the waves yeah 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 okay all right i see you go with it yep absolutely sure so when, I'll get it so when there was a point when you were and i always find this a really tricky one to ask because in the self-unlimited idea of work most people mm. think of work as the moment when you are earning money and I think yes. there are many things that we do in our life. And that's why I refer to the notion of a workscape. So I tend to think of the workscape for individuals kind of starts to open up sometime in their teens when they're starting to do something in the world with their skill and their talent that's yes. serving other people. And it may be in an organizational context. It may be in a volunteer context. It may be in sort of side hustles. What was the mm. next step or the first step for you and the kinds of things that you were doing that felt like as you were coming into adulthood? I love these questions. This is a very good question. I, I haven't been asked these questions before, so now I'm, I'm articulating it in real time. I guess, so what you're asking, just to reframe this, is like explain like my emergence to the to the concept of work for me. As yeah. I'm, as I'm, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. The first step for me was a monetary relationship transactional value, right? Because I was in year 11. Yep. Actually, nobody nobody knows this, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal this for the oh, first wow, time. Oh wow, a special exclusive here! Thanks. Exclusive. You're gonna hear it here first. I'm never gonna talk about it again ever. Now, probably. <laughs> but my very first job was well while I was in high school, as I was year eleven, yes. and I worked for three weeks. This is why I don't need to bring it up because it was only for three weeks. So, but I, this I is the thing: is I make no yeah. judgments about how long it was. Yeah, <laughs> I, I worked at the cheesecake shop. Whoa. Yes. And so that's my, and again, the reason, the intention behind that was to get money. It wasn't in the idea of like serving the community of doing something of value. It was like, no, I'm in year 11 and I like the idea of entering the workforce and maybe getting a little bit of pocket money. So I started working at the cheesecake. Yep. Yes. I learned a lot in those three weeks. I respect that experience because I learned how not to run a business, right? Everything from those three weeks, I do the opposite of now. <laughs> I think, was... how, how brilliant is that? Because when I say yeah. what is the work we do in the world, even I find that kind of troublesome as if it's like, oh, you've got to have a passion or a mission. But I often find there are antecedents and things that people have done. And I'm loving that you're saying it was only three weeks, but there has had this big effect in your life. And it's taught you what not to do in business now. Yeah. You got to have an optimistic. Like I go, yeah, it was a terrible experience, but I'm glad that I had the experience because it taught me what, my, like, what level of expectations should be when you enter a workplace, how you treat it, but also mm. how I think you could do it a little bit differently. Let's say if I was in that managerial position of that, how you treat your staff yes. and how you consider who they are, you know. So again, it's like it was at the time I would have been like, I hate it. It's the worst. Yeah. Like they're mean to me, and like I'm just. I'm just you, 
and that's how you are as a teenager, like almost mm. every aspect, right? Yeah. But now when you look back on it, you go, no, no, it was good that I had that experience because it taught me a lot about how I can do it differently or how I can consider it differently. And also the expectations of what you can expect getting into those workplaces for the first time, you know? So there was a hint there in what you said about being in business for yourself. Was that uh, the next progression or was there some other things that happened before no. you were more in business for yourself? No, it's a good question. So it's like, I, again, I don't think long-term, right? I'm very, I'm a very short-term thinker. Um, and I think this is like a pro and a con. It's an advantage and a disadvantage, but I always have simply aligned myself to the things that I enjoy. That's mm. all. That's all. So it goes like this, right? I was in high school. And mm. then when I get to year 11, year 12, my favorite thing to do was musical theater. Believe it or not. I love my musical theater. We did all these musicals at the school. Wonderful. It was my favorite thing. It built my identity. I would go to school for those musicals more than like the maths class. You know what I mean? I love I'm it. very envious because we didn't have musical theater at my high school. Oh, I would have oh, loved no. it. You're missing out. Listen, uh, it was it was a great experience. Now from there, because again, I go, this is what I love doing. Once I left high school, I go, how do I do more of what I love doing? That then transitioned me to WAPA. I did a theater then. I did a certificate for in Aboriginal theatre, again, you can see the theme where I'm going, I love mm. to perform in front of people. So we've got now a new theme. We have theatre, which is now within Aboriginal. So we've got Aboriginal theatre. Great. Mm. Amazing. Then the next step. So after that, it's like it was kind of going to go in two directions, theatre or Aboriginal. I tried to go for theatre and then I realised, oh, man, this is hard. The acting market is difficult. I'm 19 years old, you know what I mean? But it was at that point an opportunity arose to me, which was my old high school principal who came to me and said, hey, I've got a job at the school, which is suited, I think, for you, which was now my entry from theatre to Aboriginal into back to like um, working with Aboriginal people at my school. Mm. All right. Later on down the track, it was like after those four years, uh, a new opportunity arose to me where my job at the time was essentially both, again, where I would present, right? So I'm now in the almost in a theatrical mode, like here's mm. the content, da 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 still within the constructs of, of Aboriginal education, right? Mm. From there, again, naturally, organically, opportunities presented themselves to me. And now I'm at the point where like, okay, I run my own business. I'm doing what I want, both in the Aboriginal education, which I love, and almost in the theatrical, because, you know, you've seen my training. It's like I, mm. I draw up all my slides. I'm, I'm very emotive. I love talking. I love yarning. So I never planned it. I never went like, this is what I'm going to do in three years. A lot of people mm. are like that. Me. <laughs> hey, look, it's been my experience too. Like when people would say about having five-year plans, I was like, wow, gosh, there must be something wrong with me if I can't have a five-year plan. I mean, I'm in my 50s. There are some moments when I look back in my life like, for example, I remember having a dream when I was about 15 of, and I mean literally a dream while I was sleeping at night, of that I was standing in front of a large audience in an auditorium speaking in a foreign language. And Ooh. at the time, there were some things going on in the background that made me think the language I was speaking was Russian. Now, I did nothing with that. It was just a dream. It went to the side. Fast forward 15 years later, I'm standing in an auditorium in a Japanese high school giving a speech in Japanese. And a, yeah. a little bit after that, my mind went, whoa, was that? But some people go, oh, so that was about having a goal that you wanted to actually be in an auditorium speak. I said, no, there was no intentional plans whatsoever. And so I'm a believer that sometimes there are moments in our life 
where something might happen and we don't have to grab them, we don't have to force them, we don't have to say it's now our plan and it's now our goal. And I've, I've got a yeah. number of moments like that where retrospectively I can look back and go, wow, that seed of a thought might have somehow found nurturing ground, but I was not at all conscious of it. And it's an interesting way to kind of take that more emergent space of almost kind of trusting that if there's some important things, and I loved what you said before about that uh, development of an idea of doing what you love, I believe that you can kind of have that as a, a general way of being and the universe can bring things towards you that yeah. speak to that without it being specifically, I'm looking for this in particular. Yeah, we are the same person, Helen. We're on the same page, you know what I mean? And I would get very sad when I'd see people that like, oh, they go the other, some people go the other way where mm. where they go, for me to, to establish an importance in the world, like an identity and something of value, that means I have to commit to a structure. Mm. And I go, and look, that can work. That absolutely can work. It works for a lot of people in the sense of like you go to uni, you know, you, you do the very traditional, I yes. should say modern, really, the modern structure of how you become uh, something of importance. Yes. A lot of times people are not thinking about themselves. They're thinking about like pleasing their parents who have paid for the course or yes. like pleasing the market that they think that they want to be in. And, mm. and a lot of times people go through uni because I used to work at their uni, you know, and yes. I, I, every time students i said how's your uni going they always like roll their eyes and they're going oh it's oh, you know like it's okay and i'm like it's okay yeah and i get up so i'm like oh bless you i hope you're doing okay because i would think of nothing worse than to like be stuck in the in a four-year course mm. where you're saying 75 percent of that time is like grind and yes. hardship to get to a, a position afterwards hopefully like yes. out of hope you know i go oh look i hope I hope you're enjoying it, man. You know, I just like the idea where we can explain to people like you don't always have to follow the culture or the construct that exists to establish your identity because it's your identity, right? Indeed. And, and I've been very influenced by a book by a guy named Parker Palmer. No relation to me. He's an American Quaker. Uh -huh. And the book's called Let Your Inner let your inner life speak. I think it is. He was the one who introduced me to the notion that a vocation, you know, root word analysis and dictionary definitions, that vocation actually comes from the word voice. And I think about what is the voice in me that would like to be expressed in the world in some way. And I think sometimes we get very caught up and it has to be channeled into, I have to have a particular job and a particular title and I have to make a plan and whatever is in the world that I can see right now that kind of fits with that, I have to commit to that plan or somehow I'm um, not honoring that voice. And a couple of thoughts for me emerge here is that that voice can change. You won't have a fixed voice. Your voice will evolve as new information comes to you. And the second thought around that is we're living in a world that's incredibly changeable. So even if you thought you had a particular plan, chances are the world's going to change in such a way that that plan doesn't work. So that's why I invite people to think, that whatever yeah. plan or structure you're going to, if you hold it like a possibility or a hypothesis, so it gives you something to go yeah. towards, but you don't hold it in such a way of like it's a goal and if I don't get there, I've failed. Yeah, like, like this is why I'm not a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's it. This is exactly like you said. Yeah, sure, for sure. I think that when you said that about the scientists, that there is that kind of notion that scientists are able to hold possibilities and hypotheses of the things that they were doing. 
So mm, let's yeah. come back to the sorts of things you've been doing. I know, yeah. for example, that one of the things you've been doing is collaborating with Emma. How did such a collaboration come about? And what have you been valuing about the evolution of such a collaboration? I love this question. It's and like, maybe you should say who Emma is for people who uh, are listening. Emma Gibbons is my sister. Now, when I say sister, it's not my biological sister, sister, but yeah. she's my yeah. sister, you know. Like yeah. Now, Emma came over to Australia from the United States in 2017, I believe. She met her husband here, married up with him, and she is a change strategist. She's invested in change. She loves change. She's worked on lots of campaigns uh, back in the States on the Obama campaign, that kind right. of thing and traveled a lot of different places. Now we met up about 2018 and we just hanging out. Like we're just good friends because we have mutual friends, you see. So we just started talking about, you know, what's important to us. She learned that I was working in Aboriginal education. You know, she worked mm. in exchange strategy. And to be honest, it's a very organic relationship that Emma and I have where we hold our friendship at the center, at the core of what we do. We're mm. not business partners like we are, but like we're business, mm. that's like the third fourth label that I would call it mm, before my relationship with a friend, you know? So some that we just did caught up, met up, talked about the concepts that are important to her and me. And then we just started hosting those conversations that we had with each other with other people online, in person, and boom, now we've got a business. Mm, <laughs> I love that. And that's what I have experienced with the course that I went on with Acknowledge This. Are there other mm. people that you're collaborating with that you see different strengths or um, things emerging in what Ooh, you do? Plenty. Lots of people, really. What is the nature oh. of those collaborations? And particularly because thinking about, you've mentioned a number of times from the Aboriginal point of view, there's, imagine, community collaborations going on and things for you that speak to where your heart is at and the mission that you might be on in Aboriginal education. I think a lot of the collaborations that I do with people would be within the theme of um oh there's a lot of ways I can answer this though because a lot of it could be reconciliation sure mm -hmm. a lot of it can be clarity building confidence building permission giving conversations so yeah and like that goes from like the, the people that let's say come to the course to the training all the way to like the business relationships mm -hmm. that we have with people where we help promote or advertise or or like there's mm. there's a lot of ways I can answer that I suppose so yeah you yeah. pick one whatever what feels like it resonates with you strongly let me ever think let me ever think maybe what's a collaboration that brings you a lot of joy and satisfaction yeah oh, but they all do <laughs> that's the problem I don't do any business or any work with, with people that I don't want to Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you one. I, I like this one. Uh, this is what I'm doing at the moment because it, it goes beyond just like one training that people get. We have a relationship with Suzanne Group. That's an example of a relationship I like that are very aligned with us in the sense of um, we, we've done a lot of work with them. We've rolled out, acknowledged this. I've also done a bit of artwork and things for that, and we've helped them with their reconciliation action plan. You know, mm. so they've consulted with us. We've had a few times where we'd come out to them and take their procedural construct of reconciliation action plan and just put a bit of life into it, activate it a bit, talked about what's meaningful to them. Mm. So on multiple levels, there's an artistic thing where I got to design and develop something in collaboration with people I love. Uh, we got and to that's a physical about... object that you're talking about there when you're saying design with using your art yeah. skills. 
technically a digital like because it was okay. all digital right so i give yeah. it I, I do it all on my yeah. ipad but like yeah physical digital yeah and then also like the the collaboration of like actually sitting down having yarns with them like and going through what it is that is valuable to them mm. and then putting that in the plan and then rolling that out to the wider business sort of thing so that could be one example of mm. like uh of people that we love working with and still work with in a lot of ways What strikes me around that is these all seem to be avenues in which you can express yourself creatively. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. And one of the things that I have delighted in receiving, as you mentioned with your training, that there are slides and things that you have drawn, and I love your artwork, but you took that to another level and came up with a book. Why? And what was that about? (laughs) Yeah, uh, look, uh, that's great, yeah. The book is from Country with Love, mm-hmm. and this is just literally a, a fun project that Emma and I wanted to do. This Good was grief. Not... Fancy having fun in work-related <laughs> things, Reese. I mean, what a notion. I, I know, right? But it's, it's almost like you've got to tell people this in the sense of it, this wasn't like a marketing strategy to mm. funnel people into the training or, you know what I mean? We literally sat down and we're like, all right, let's write a book. That was it. Just like anything me and Emma do. We just sit, yep. sit down and have a yarn about it and then things come from little things. Don't. We're like, let's we're gonna write a book. What are we going to write? And here's the thing. It's like, I don't like writing at all. <laughs> but it was like, all right, well, we don't have to write. It doesn't have to be a novel. Mm. So what we did was we were like, well, what do we talk about? We talk about connection, culture, talk about connection to community, place, to each other. How do we represent that in a book? And I go, okay, let's... And I love drawing. So it was like, let's just create a real simplified visual experience for people to consider what country is beyond just geographical space with political borders. So we talk about country as the weird, the spirit, country as the feeling, country as the song, the music that you hear, country as the geographical space, country as the elders that have come before us and have connected us to this place. So it's it expands the concept of country in a fun and a light way. It's kind of digestible for anyone. Like you could pick this up as a five-year-old and like color it in and be like, great. Or you could, <laughs> technically the book is under the theme of philosophy. It's not an action or an adventure. Is that what right? in terms so of like, you were looking for? What was the ISBN yeah, number in the jury that, decimal cataloging? Yeah, that, that. We're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's philosophy. So it's a philosophical yeah. construct of a country with a capital C. There you go. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. I know when I got it, the packaging was done so beautifully and and that consideration of receiving it and then to actually have the experience of opening it up. And one of the things I found particularly fascinating in the book is you had done an unusual way of binding it. And so even that, I'm very conscious of these small choices being made in a very Mm -hmm. intentional way that speaks, I think, something to you and how you see the world. I love that. No, thank you. Because yeah, we, we very intentionally would like, how do we package it? Right. Like we want, we wanted to almost be a gift as if like it's a gift from country, not from me and Emma. Like it's, mm. it's a gift that exists because we, Emma and I talk about it. Like we didn't write the book that it was country that was speaking through us. Mm. You know what I mean? Ah, that sounds a bit, that sounds well, a nice bit touch woo-woo. for the little seeds things that came with it. I've yeah. got them outside trying to germinate right now. Oh, I'm still waiting. I'm like, can somebody tell me if that worked yet? Cause I don't know, but yeah. It's I'll like, let yeah, you give know. A country, give a piece of country to, but also like yeah, and the binding was specific. Oh, we went back and forth. We were like, oh, should we? Shouldn't we? But the why we chose the binding without the spine was so that it could lie flat, right? When you open mm-hmm. it, so you could really have the white this the spread. And of yes. course, the content is like yeah, you don't if you're like picking it out of a 
of a bookstore. It looks like mm. it's broken. Like, you know, some people go like, hey, we're, like our spine isn't there. Did you give us the broken copy? And it's like, nah, that was an intentional thing, you know. But, uh, yeah, so, but it was a fun experience. And so um, was that something that just sort of organically came or were you mindful that you were being very intentional about many design choices in, your, in creating this thing? Uh, the idea was the organic, like, hey, let's let's yeah. just do this and see. Like, the content of the book was very organic, but mm. then the the yeah, of course, the rollout and the the design and the mm. the dimensions and yes. all of that was very well considered beforehand as well. Mm. So we took mm. took a lot of time in the design, and then it was like, all right, cool. How do we now roll that out? How many do we print? How much are we yes. going to sell it? Yeah, yes. it comes up with that sort of thing afterwards. Yeah. Which I think for me brings an interesting dimension when people are thinking about creating some kind of content or something they want to put out in the world. I often see people having very naive ideas of I can just quickly do something and produce it and they don't actually, and that's the creative spirit coming out. But then there's almost like the business structural aspect to consider, which sometimes I think creative people feel like, oh, that's getting in the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is why I love Emma. Emma's the brains. I'm not gonna lie, she's the brains of this. Like she understands how to do process. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I like to say I bring the heart in and the soul, you know. She yeah. brings a lot of soul in too, don't get me wrong. But it's like that book, I would never have done that book mm. if it was just me. And she would have never done that book if it was just her, you know what I mean? Mm. So that's why we work to, together really well on multiple levels. It's because we balance each other in mm. the scale of like process in the mind and like soul and the heart, you know. So I think that's sort of like a good relationship that we have i'm envious of this relationship that you have with emma finding a collaborator like that and there have been moments and times when i've had collaborators like that and i'm thinking as we come to a close that may be a nice focal point of what is your advice if somebody's thinking gosh i want to have a recent emma like collaboration in terms of like finding somebody what are your tips and some advice for finding somebody and building that kind of relationship Okay, all right. It's good. That's a really good question, Helen. Um, I can only speak from my experience. Brilliant. This is the thing. So it might not, I mean, people look for the answer, right? How do I do it? And then, like, how do I write that down and then go and do it? And I go, so no, no, I'm, I'm think- going to invite people to hear uh, Reese's story and not think, I've been given the recipe yeah. of exactly how to do it, but yeah. maybe I can be inspired by some of the steps and find a way okay. to adapt those to my own context. I'm going to advise, don't think about this too much. Uh, don't don't plan it don't proceed i think this is kind of goes back to like what you and i were talking about a little Mm. bit before there helen in the sense of like as cliche as it sounds it's very true the universe will give this to you if that's what is aligned with who you are Mm. inside and now a lot of people do that thing from the brain right how do i do the thing and i go that might work i don't know but it didn't work for me i i'm not joking man it's like i i sat down with someone who i enjoy talking to and I talked to that person and that person just so happened to be someone who was really good at business and strategizing and planning. I aligned myself with that back then in 2018, as I do right now in 2023. And it's like, I don't have to think about it. It's something that is organically there. So my best advice would yeah, be, it's not something you have to pursue from your mind. It's something that you can align with from your heart. And I think that that's the best way going forward. I love that. I love that. Mm. It it speaks to a number of themes in there. And and for me, what I can add is set the intention that maybe you are seeking that kind of collaboration. And then having set that intention, don't 
force it just simply then mm. I think sometimes that can create a situation where you're almost saying to the universe I'm open and that when you're out talking to people there's an openness and maybe an attraction factor where people can feel your openness and then respond to it and maybe having a deeper conversation a more exploratory conversation of what might come one thing as well that I'll mention and this is this goes to more like how to maintain where you're aligned with the at the core of our relationship, Emma and I, is that of trust and transparency. Now, I think that's very, very important. The reason why we have such a good relationship is because we both feel very confident in being able to articulate how we're really feeling and how we're really thinking. So mm -hmm. if there's a problem, it's like she knows she can talk to me straight away and be like, I don't like the way you did this. And a lot of people in this world do this thing where they put the walls up and they go, oh, well, this, and therefore we are not compatible. And like, then people distance themselves and it becomes politics. Mm. Whereas what I can say is that just by going, this is a relationship that you have with someone that's very important. Trust and transparency, I think sits in the middle because the only way to grow is in the relationship is together. Mm. It's not to be like, here's my alignment and that's not going to be with yours. I go, I feel like we're almost the same person in some ways. You know what I mean? Like we have a very big trust and transparency between us. So trust and transparency moving forward. Definitely. Definitely. You know, I feel like we've come back to the original part of the conversation of two things mutually compatibly finding yeah. a way together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's so many analogies. It's like, Oh, black and white. You know what I mean? Like there's black fella, the white fella. It's not embracing the gray. Like, you know, mm. there's a lot there, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah it does happen like that reese this has been a wonderful conversation thank you so much for being part of it with me oh how fun i feel like it's only been 10 minutes or something i'm, I'm very honored that you invited me and, and i could have a yarn with you I, I love talking so um no yeah biggest biggest mob of thanks to you just to, for being yourself inviting me on i suppose well let's do it again but off air <laughs> hey sounds good sounds good a couple of drinks too <laughs> <laughs> sounds wonderful thank you awesome Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 